everybody. And welcome to That's Life, where a jet lag has made me incredibly productive at 4 a.m., but totally useless by 4 p.m. Yoni can attest to that. Good morning, folks, and thanks for listening. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, general manager here at the Nahum Seal Network. You can find me here right after Allison, right before Nahum's live lunch. A boker tove to you, Yoni. Morning. How are you, sir? <sighs> Seven episodes into what you're going to talk about today. Seven episodes of season two? Or? Of one. What? Yeah. So, like, I'm going to have to Why did you go to sleep last like. night? I know, right? I should have just watched the whole thing. Do I was you not take your early. job seriously? I know. My fault. My fault. I'm I'm excited, though. You should FYI. be excited. You should I just, be excited. I have I'm to be totally careful stoked. with like the spoilers. I gotta like. You oh know, no 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 no! There's no spoilers. No spoilers. Okay. I'm committed to no spoiling. Okay, fine. Because it's not fair, and I want everyone to enjoy. Forget. It goes without saying. I want everyone to enjoy today's program. Right. I'm always excited for your program today. Stop maybe it like now. slightly a little more. I know. I'm also a little bit more excited than I should be for my own program. I hope I keep it together. But I'm incredibly. Um, I'm just very much looking forward to somebody who can speak to me about this show because i'm so into it right to the to the point where i'm about to go out and buy myself a two-piece pink suit and <laughs> you know get my hair all quaffed quaffed yeah i like that word yeah your hair looks pretty quaffed today yeah, it's so. pretty it's, yeah, it's good yeah. um I, I, how was your trip to israel yoni and i actually just um, both returned from israel though did, did not you at see the same me time. waving to you in uh, there no because i was asleep yeah i sleep on planes uh it was good yeah? yeah, it was great. It was Miles is up to the wedding. Quick, it, I would say, like for most people, it's the quickest <laughs> trip of my life to Israel. That's not true, though. <laughs> you know, it's funny that you say <laughs> it's that. One of my longer ones, right? Exactly. It was Two, four days, it was five four, days, right? Yeah. So I was five days, four nights. Yeah. And I'm like, forget it. This is a disaster. And my aunt says to me, "What? What's so wrong?" I'm like, "Cause I'm gonna adjust adjust to the time." Oh, I did a good job. I I was able to stay American time. No. I I, I at the end I adjusted, which uh, is why my week this week has yeah. been a disaster. The worst. Yeah. Just whatever, jet lag. I mean, I'm telling you, I walked into the same Starbucks yesterday three times. <laughs> the one in Atlantic Terminal. I was say, where? Okay, Atlantic, Atlantic Terminal. Terminal. And right. um, they looked at me like I really have like a habit. The same barista? Baristas? Barista? No, there's the morning crew, right, okay, there's the afternoon, know. but they know like... You, 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 you. Right. Right. I've been there too much. Yeah. Um, we got a bunch of stuff going on today. Um, we're going to do the fortune cookie. We're also going to do the national holidays, one of which I really intended on celebrating with you today, but it's just not happening. Um, hmm. But before I go any further, I, Nahum had given me the opportunity this morning to thank the members of the Lawrence Cedarhurst Fire Department um, for basically saving our school. As Nahum mentioned this morning on JM in the AM and has been reported throughout local news in the New York area. There was a fire early, early this morning at Hafter Elementary School uh, where my kids attend. I'm a proud Hafter parent. And luckily, not only because Hafter's literal, ne- literal next door neighbor is actually the fire department, but also because we have unbelievably trained and committed volunteer firemen and women who respond at a moment's notice. Um, you know, Hafter is still standing. There is water damage. There is fire damage, but um, we are hoping that school reopens tomorrow. Oh, wow. Uh, yes. School is school is not in session. The elementary school, the lower, sorry, the early childhood, the lower school, and the middle school are all not in session today. The high school, being on a different campus, is still in session today. Um, we're hoping everything reopens, but, um, you know, as quickly as possible. But I, I truly, from the bottom of my heart, I, I need to thank the LCFD, I need to thank the 4th Precinct, uh, the Police Department, Nassau County, 4th Precinct also keeps us tremendously safe. And I am sure that members of the Hewlett-Woodmere Fire Department responded this morning as well. I don't need to even need to confirm it to know that they were there. These 
people heed the call. I, I don't know about you, Yoni. I see a fire. I run away from the fire. These are people who run towards the fire. Right. And um, that is the most unnatural thing ever. They put their lives on the line every single day, every single time that the call is made, they heed the call. And I, and I um, not only as a parent of the school, but also as a community member, I truly just want to say thank you to them all. Um, and I recommend find a first responder, find a firefighter, find a police officer. Just say thank you to somebody today. A thank you goes a very long way. All right, so Yoni, let's do the fortune cookie. Um, I've had no luck on these fortune cookies. I yeah. think I think you've I think you've messed with them all. Yeah. I don't know how you did that. Tinkering. I don't know how you did that though. Um, all right, here we go. Professionalism is knowing how to do it, when to do it, and doing it. All right, congrats. Yeah. Fine. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Water Thank is you. wet. What? Wow. It's harsh. I don't know. All right. All right. Um, now I'm almost happy. I'm not celebrating this national holiday oh, okay. with you today. It's League of Nations Day, which does not make or break your life. Right. It's National Cut Your Energy Costs Day. Okay. Which basically means we need to shut shut off all the lights in here. That is that what you wanted to celebrate? With no. I want It's also National House Plant Appreciation Day. And frankly, I think you need a house plant. Yeah, I was gonna buy you a house plant just to watch it die. Um, a few of my friends have like little like house plants. Well, like apartment. cactuses, things you don't yeah, have to. Yeah, exactly. Right. Of course. Good stick. I don't. I don't know that that's a house plant. You're saying like a real house plant, Some like something fern. in the corner that you, yes, you water. Yes, you exactly. I think yeah, one of my friends I think has a real plant. Really? Yeah. The fact that I mean, maybe I should buy you a house plant that's plastic, so we, we know it'll use, live. Yeah. <laughs> you know it'll live nice. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. I wasn't yeah. gonna buy you a pet. Right. That's, oh, I don't want a pet. So now, thanks. anything that you need to feed, I think this is as close to being responsible for something else as you could probably do. Deal. I'm in. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. This is this is, this is is as close as Yoni's going to get. We're not ready for a long-term pet commitment. No. Certainly not. Uh, you're listening to That's Life here at the Nahum Siegel Network. My listeners know firsthand I rarely, rarely fall in love with anything on TV. Not since my obsession with West Wing, and yes, it's an ongoing obsession. Uh, then my brief flirting with the good doctor or my thrill over Stranger Things, have I turned and said to somebody about a show, stop, you need to watch this. You really need to watch this. Not in forever have I actually laughed out loud on watching the show, and I feel that many people feel the exact same way. Until now. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is set in, 19, in the 1950s in Manhattan. It centers on Miriam Midge Maisel. She's an energetic, outspoken Jewish woman who seems to have it all. The husband, the kids, the palatial Upper West Side apartment that doesn't really exist, all according to how she mapped out her life. But her life is turned upside down when her husband leaves her for another woman. And in a fit of complete drunkenness, she stumbles onto the stage at a comedy club and soon discovers her own comedic skills. She decides that that newfound talent will help her rebuild her life. The series then traces the ups and downs of her career as it grows. She faces her parents, her life as a mother, the chauvinism, which is blatantly evident at the time, and a number of other challenges. All the while, she is confident, she has spunk and charisma, and she continues to shine. Stephanie Butnick is the deputy editor of Tablet Magazine. She's also the host of their, one of the hosts of their weekly podcast, Unorthodox. Each week on the show, the hosts discuss the news of the Jews and interview two guests, one Jewish and one Gentile. And Stephanie joins me today as we discuss 
the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Good morning, Stephanie. Hi, Miriam. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to be here on National Houseplant Appreciation Day. I, 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 I feel badly I didn't send you one. I mean, I, I maybe the day's not over. I still can yeah, get... Yeah, there's, there's the day's young. Exactly. We can celebrate that together. Um, thank you so much for joining me. I truly appreciate it. There are so many questions that I have, so many topics to discuss about Miriam Midge Maisel. But my, my first question to you is, why does America love her? So I think there's a number of things. First of all, this is a show that's not super intense. It's not super dark. It's not one of these, you know, a lot of the shows on TV right now are, are just intense and serious. There's, you know, The Handmaid's Tale. There's mm. these, you know, there's Game of Thrones. There's all these shows that are just, just kind of dark. Um, and, in, and this show is light and fun and it's beautiful and there's amazing costumes. And so I think people are drawn to sort of the vivaciousness of, of, just, of just watching it. The other thing is, I think in 2019, there is an amazing message of this show, right? She starts as a housewife, and she's perfectly happy. And then she sort of finds this other life for herself as a comic on stage, which is totally, you know, not in keeping with what people thought a woman should be doing, let alone, a, you know, a nice Jewish girl who mm. has two kids and has this supposedly perfect life. And so I think there's something really empowering about this show that is why it works right now. Of course, you know, the fact that she's Jewish is such an added bonus, at least um, for a lot of us, because it's, it's fun to see a depiction of a, of a very Jewish family, you know, a very clearly Jewish family on TV on a show that's so popular, not just with Jews. Right. No, I agree with you. I find it, uh, you know, personally hysterical that her name is Miriam and that people are not butchering her name as a person who's either Marianne or Marion her entire life. But the number of characters in that in this in this show that I can immediately relate to my own Jewish life speaks to you know a comment that was made in the Jerusalem Post's review of the show in which they they comment that that the show does Jewishness really really well and I'd have to agree with that yeah I mean look there's there's online chatter that you know certain there's sort of some Jewish anachronisms on the show um which I think they'll always be in Jewish circles. We'll never be actually happy with a show that seems, you know, purports to be about Jews. We'll always find something. But I think you're right. I think there's a way in which the portrayal of um, the Weissman family, which is Midge's parents, is is so nuanced. And um, the New Yorker TV critic Emily Nussbaum had a great tweet where she was saying, "Okay, so I'm curious where Midge, Midge's parents come from. Is is he? Are they German immigrants? Are they Polish immigrants? Like, and we are really trying to to locate these people in 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 a real in, in our real history, because they do seem so real. Right. And they seem so American, which also speaks to the time of, you know, the time in Jewish history and in New York history when this story takes place, when the entire, when all these episodes unfold. Do you think that part of the, the fun that we're all having with this show is that it takes place in 1950s New York or that it takes place in 1950s Jewish New York? I think there's a lot of it that is based on, you know, the, the fun of seeing the 1950s, seeing the clothing, seeing, you know, hearing the music, seeing just the, 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 the environment of, of, the, of the comedy clubs. It's just, you know, it's sort of fun and, and exoticized, I think, at this point for us. Um, I think, look, a lot of the Jewish stuff is really, really cool to see. Um, and I think they, they filmed the synagogue scenes at Midwood Jewish Center, and it's like, you know, it's, it's fun for us to watch that. And... You know, a lot of the plot is about, you know, Yom Kippur and then breakfast. And there's, you know, someone's fasting for Tisha B'Av and they're at the, in the Catskills. And so I think that for Jews and non-Jews alike, that's actually very charming 
because there's this nostalgia baked into the, you know, the whole family goes to the Catskills for the summer and they go to the resort and it just is different today. No, I agree with that completely. And and just to discuss the Catskills, it takes a lot of guts. <laughs> it takes a lot of guts to turn this time period or any time period and, and bring it to life and make it as authentic as possible. It takes a an even further amount of um, risk almost to make to bring the Catskills back to life in that there is going to have to be a level of accuracy and a level of, of truth to everything that is being depicted that if you miss it one step, you're out. And, yeah, and everyone's going to say, I was there. It wasn't like that. Right. <laughs> even the chairs. I mean, one of the comments I heard by from somebody um, in discussing my obsession with Mrs. Maisel, it, it, she, he said, even the chairs, those were the chairs at the Homewack. And I and I laughed. I'm like, wow, they even got that right. But but to 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 accurately and honestly depict the Catskills without hitting every single note would have been a complete misstep. Also, I think it shows, you know, this is a, a show on Amazon, right? This is not a niche drama. This is a, a mainstream show. And to say, you know, you know, on season two, we got renewed for season two. Okay, we're going to go to the Catskills. <laughs> that is not necessarily like a popular programming decision, but they did it and they did it well. And it's so, it's so fun because, you know, for all of us that, that says, oh, you know, oh yeah, that my grandparents went to the Catskills. That's always how I imagined it. And I think for for a wider audience, it's just so charming. And to see, you know, how he goes and he gets the tomato juice. And look, it's like a little bit caricature at times, but it does, I think, it gets the, 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 the vibrancy of that era. It, it seems to just sort of hit it on the head. And I actually will tell you, I was an extra on season two. Yeah, it was a dream come true. So oh I my gosh. the very last scene of, of episode three, when they zoom out of the record shop and two people walk by, it's me and my, our podcast producer, Josh Cross. <gasps> I so am. I can tell you firsthand, I went in for a fitting. I was just walking across the screen. I went into a, for a fitting at Steiner Studios. Every single thing I wore was, was actually, you know, was uh, old, new old stock or whatever they call it. Um, there was just, uh, everything was so specific, my jewelry, my hair. And that was the level of detail that they put into everything. And so I think it's really fun to see that and to see it pay off because people say that looks like what it was like. I, I, I know I'm supposed to be speaking at this point, but I'm totally I speechless. I don't I know. I, just tell me, was it the coolest day? It was the coolest day. It was so fun. I've never done anything like that. Um, we asked the producer, I mean, we knew one of the directors and we asked him, we said, you know, our listeners love this show. They would just freak out if we were, if we were on it, even for a second. And so we, we did it and it was really, it was just fun to sort of go inside that world. And they had um, remade a street in Manhattan to look, you know, like the fifties, there were old cars. And that was just part of the fun is, is how much, how much they've done to, to really capture that era. Wow. That's, that's pretty incredible. That's, I mean, you have to rewatch it now. I am in the company of greatness at this moment. Yeah. I'm so. And they paid me, which was like the best, the, the craziest part. That is the craziest part. Of course, then every Jewish mother wants to know if you get royalties every time that episode is watched. Yeah, Yoni's. <laughs> I do not think so, but I don't care. Yoni's sitting here nodding. Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to know. Of course. <laughs> that's, that, of course, is the most logical next question. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. An actress and famed movie star, Stephanie. 
Stephanie Botnick joins us this morning. She's also an editor at Tablet, but of course she's known for her roles on The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Um, and I'm I'm even more excited that you're actually joining me this morning. There, there's something um, about the fact that it is on Amazon that I don't want to overlook. And, and I mean that not as Amazon specifically, but in terms of the platforms that are available to good content out there these days. I mean, you host a podcast. We are a, a an internet-based radio network. And so I appreciate the fact that Amazon um, saw this as an opportunity, but that the opportunity is presented in a on a platform that that w- is probably the only thing that would allow it to work. This would never work on network television. So I sort of wonder, from your angle, how much of Mrs. Maisel is almost like a perfect storm? How much of it is where it's presented, the unbelievable supporting cast that that surrounds um, m- surrounds Midge herself? I mean, how much of it is a perfect storm? I think a lot of it is. You're right. I mean, it's hitting us right at the, the perfect time where we do want something that's a, a diversion. It's sort of happy and fun and, and low stakes, right? You get into it while you're watching the show, but... You know, this is a, a, a show about trying to make it in the comedy world of the 1950s. It's not exactly, you know, the highest stakes programming. Um, and I think it's a great cast. And I think, I think Amazon does offer them the freedom. First of all, watching it without commercials oh. means there's a really right. um, sort of engaging just tone set, right? You, can, you almost can't look away. Right, right. And these are hour-long episodes, I think. or Like, they're, they're quite meaty. Um, and I don't know that it would work on network TV. I, just because of the, the formatting, you kind of have to, like, sit down and commit to it. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, this is one of the few streaming shows that I'm not able to binge just because it, it seems like you're, you're not doing justice to the episodes if you watch four in a row. Also, it's quite difficult to watch four hour-long shows in a row. But it seems to be desi- like built as an old-school you know, old t- you know, TV program, not the way some series that are on, on streaming sites seem to be built for binging. No, I agree with that also. I, I do take my Maisel one episode at a time. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. I also think it's very interesting. Um, you know, Rachel Brosnan, in an interview with the New York Times, commented that Mitch Maisel is not a feminist. She's a woman of her time. And I think that when we get to the end of season one, where she finally owns her stage name, uh, for listeners who have not yet gotten to this point, in the episodes, um, Midge Maisel, as she is um, toning and tweaking her onstage persona, struggles with the right stage name that really befits her. But by the end of season one, she has owned that she, she is Mrs. Maisel. And I think that that's very telling in terms of not only who she is as a woman, but the time period, but also um, her, her place in life at that moment. I mean, she very much lives within the structures of of the of her world, right? She went to college, you know, as her her dad says, you went to that Goyesha college, you know, <laughs> she went goes to a an all right. all women's college, I forget which one. Bryn Mawr. Um, oh yeah, Bryn Mawr. And then she comes home, and then she marries the Jewish boy, and then she has the two perfect kids, and they have the perfect six, you know, classic six on the Upper West Side. But then she sort of finds a different life for herself. But she doesn't. There's no. It's sort of. I think. I agree that she wouldn't call herself a feminist because that just wouldn't have been something at the time that she would even have been thinking about. You know, a lot of you don't really see her interact with her children a lot, which right. is kind of, I mean, which is just because you have a show where she, you know, is pursuing her comedy career. You also then couldn't show a million scenes where she's also taking care of her kids, so they sort of get shunted to the side a little bit. But um, 
I think she very much is a woman of her time, but she is is brassy and bold, even in her past, even in her old life as a housewife, right? Her husband, it initially starts with her husband wanting to be a comic. And so she bakes a brisket and brings it to the, <laughs> the comedy club so they will give him a good time slot. So she is like very, very, very committed to, you know, the ways in which she as a woman can, can help, right? Right. Can and make this happen for her husband. And only later on does she almost accidentally stumble into it for herself. Right. And then we get to season two where she deals with or they deal with divorce in mm-hmm. a public space in the Catskills and the growth of her career. And when she is faced with having to sort of like reconcile this Mrs. Maisel, I'm the doting housewife that everyone thinks I am, but really I'm leading a double life. And she has to like get that out there. It is... You know, it's a it's a real I don't want to say coming of age, but it's a moment that all of us can identify with when there's something that we need to sort of either get off our chests or reconcile the person we are and the person we want to be. Yeah, I think she's very much, you know, she looks she goes back to live with her parents once they sell their apartment and she goes back to almost this this childlike role in her family. Meanwhile, she's leading this double life. And I think that, yes, it's exaggerated for comic effect, but we could all relate to that, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have this life, you know, this life you think you want, you're supposed to have, and then that there's what you want. And, and I don't know, it feels like a very universal story, not right. just about, you know, a Jewish woman in the 1950s who wants to do comedy. Right. No, I agree with that, especially that she is, she exists and her talent exists at a time where I'm sure many other funny Jewish women would have loved to have been able to get up there and start their own career and st- or, or start any career for that matter, but still could not break out of the expected norms for them at that time. And so watching her evolve as a character in that and in relationship to her parents, which is so, so funny and so telling that, that, it's, um, that it's really, again, an amazing part of, of the story. I also, before we run out of time, I do want to talk about the ensemble cast. You can't have Tony Shalhoub in a role like this where the man seems to be able to do anything, frankly. But you, you, you can't have Tony Shalhoub as your father, as Abe, and not, and not thank God that, you, that, that he is in this role. We, as, as an audience, we, as a viewer, love him as Abe Weissman. Yeah, and it's amazing because most of the cast isn't. I mean, some of the some of the characters are Jewish in real life, some of the actors, um, but a lot of them aren't. And they get this this cultural thing so right about the timing. You know, the way they speak, the way they they sort of their mannerisms, and it's kind of charming to watch. You know, some people will say, "Why?" You know, of course, I would have liked all Jews to be in that cast if they were depicting a Jewish family. You know, people will fight about that, of course. But I think I think yeah. I mean, the every single actor on that show is. Is just above and beyond, and right. it make and they seem like they're having fun, mm-hmm. and that adds to the pleasure of watching this. Um, no, I it's just I, it's just a nice escape. <laughs> I agree, and I also agree with that in that I, I appreciate the fact that season two is longer than season one. Yeah, and I really hope that season three they evidently have already resigned for season three sometime in May. I think that they made that announcement, um, which is great because at this point, when everyone in this country seems to need to laugh out loud, I, I couldn't have more Mrs. Maisel if I if I begged for it. <laughs> I agree. I agree, Stephanie. Um, I, I thank you so much for joining us. It's been Stephanie Butnick as the deputy editor of Tablet Magazine. You can check her out on their podcast, Unorthodox. You can certainly subscribe to that on iTunes, correct? Yes, you can. Fantastic. Stephanie, thank you so much for your time and for your love of Mrs. Maisel. And 
I if you could do me a favor and send me an email of you in costume, that would be oh, great. I will. I have some behind the scenes pictures. Matt, fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. Truly appreciate it. Thanks, Miriam. You've been listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. The afternoon continues with a full day of programming. We have live lunch starts in just a few moments. Throwback Thursday starts at 1 o'clock. JM Rewind, the encore edition, starts at 4. And, of course, the Arab Shabbos show, hosted by Mark Zomik, starts at 7 p.m. Brought to you by our friends at Kedem. Tomorrow morning, join Nahum as he hosts JM and AM from 6 to 9 a.m. And at the conclusion of JM and AM, it's Naomi with Table for Two. And then, of course, stay tuned for the encore of the Arab Shabbos show with Mark Zomik and then the Kedem Arab Shabbos music mix up until candlelighting here in the New York area. Avrami hosts Saturday Night Seagull this Motzei Shabbos at 9 p.m. Matis hosts JM Sunday, 7 a.m. Sunday morning. Don't miss a minute of all of our programming. I leave you today with Benny Friedman's Toda. It is a shout out to all of the firefighters who woke up with a start this morning to save my school. From the bottom of my heart, folks, thank you. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys.
So all the friends I made along the way, let me hear you sing it. 